seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. And welcome to the Video Nasties podcast. My name's Christopher Brown. When Dario Argento followed up Inferno, which is, as we know, I've spoken about before, also on the Video Nasties list, he decided to return back to his Jalo roots. Now, Jalo is, uh, for those that don't know, is a type of 20th century form of literature and film, which is kind of an indicator of crime fiction and mystery. Now the name comes from uh, the concept of uh, yellow, which is was the uh, the um, cheap paperback mystery novels all had these like uh, yellow covers. So it, ca- it kind of an indication that it, these are effectively pulp crime dramas. Jallo in horror tends to be marked by operatic death kills, violence against women, by uh, leather gloved mysterious men. Argento had made two dreamlike horrors with Suspiria Inferno, so Tenebrae was a return to this violent crime horror which he'd made his name from with uh, the build with a beard with a crystal plumage. But Argento ramped up the gore and extremes while making this film. <laughs> I've read all your books, Mr. Neal. The book deals with a murder committed with an old-fashioned open razor, right? This girl, too, was killed with a razor, and your book's pages stuffed into her mouth. Can I ask you something? If someone is killed with a Smith & Wesson revolver, do you go and interview the president of Smith & Wesson? Peter, Peter, you can't let me down now. We're within two days of making a deal. Please, stay just until Friday. My life is in danger. There's no deal in the world worth risking my life for. Not anxiety or fear, but freedom. You wrote those words, page 46. Freedom to strike again, Peter. Listen, don't hang up. We have to talk. You told me how, Peter Neal. You and me together. We've just begun. Get out of here. The guy, the guy, guy has an axe. Could it be somebody I know? I wish I'd never written that book. You don't mean that. I've made charts. I've tried building a plot the same way you have. Tried to figure it out, but 
I just have this hunch that something is missing. A tiny piece of the jigsaw. Somebody who should be dead is alive, or somebody who should be alive is already dead. Explain that. You know, there's a sentence in a Conan Doyle book. When you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. The director claims that Tenebrae was influenced by a disturbing incident he had in 1980 with an obsessed fan. The fan telephoned him repeatedly day after day until finally confessing that he wanted to kill the director. Argento said he found the experience terrifying and was inspired to write Tenebrae as a result of those fears. So it's an echo of a murderer being inspired by a piece of art. Argento felt linked his own story with the story of this film. It's about a successful American writer from Rhode Island uh, called Peter Neal, who travels to Rome to promote his best, his new bestseller, Tenebrae. As soon as Peter arrives, there is the murder of a shoplifter and it becomes clear that the author's work is a caveat for how the crimes are being committed. So the author, now effectively embroiled with the case, sets out to work out what's going on. The impulse had become irresistible. There was only one answer to the fury that tortured him. And so he committed his first act of murder. He had broken the most deep-rooted taboo and found not guilt, not anxiety or fear, but freedom. Every humiliation which stood in his way could be swept aside by this simple act of annihilation, murder. Argento instructed his cinematographer, Luciano Tavoli, to film the movie in bright white light and daylight to provide a feel of realism and an echo to police dramas. Argento said of the work, 
a modern style of photography, deliberately breaking with the legacy of German Expressionism. Today's light is the light of neon, headlights and omnipresent flashes. Caring about shadows seemed ridiculous to me, and more than that, reassuring. Tivoli was born in, in Italy and is a cinematographer, film director and screenwriter. While the majority of his filmography is in Italian, he's worked on cinematography in several US films and French productions, including Antoni's uh, The Passenger, Baracek's Behind Covent Walls, Suspiria as well, and also uh, Julie Taymor's Titus. There's big set-piece shots in this film. Argento and Tavoli employed the use of a loom crane to film several minute-long tracking shots that acted as an introduction to the sequence of the lesbian couple's murder. This two-and-a-half-minute crane shot kind of encircles Tilda's house and it took three days to be completed. Hilariously, American distributors wanted the shot to be cut for the film from the US release, but Argento refused. It's these kind of choices and this kind of shot decision which help elevate the film and still make it stand up today. All this bright light really has dated the movie and it seems quite odd to look at it now. And the murder set pieces took uh, look really in truth quite over the top, despite the incredible amounts of violence on display. And despite Dario Gento obviously looking to make a film that makes more sense than some of his previous efforts, there are still huge jeep jumps in logic here. That said, the eye ending is an iconic scene, and this is still a hugely entertaining film. Indiana. Those dice want your balls, but they have them in your own. What is that? That you mean? Found in the shop here in Rome. Nice, huh? Suits. Isn't it warm? Oh, dry. No, 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 no. Doesn't it drop off? Drop off? Yeah, I mean, if you make a quick movement, won't it slip off? That's a mirror. Drop off. You know your book has been number one here on the bestseller list for 12 weeks. 12 weeks? 12. Already? 12 yeah, weeks? Yeah, yeah. Amazing, amazing. Please with your agent. Oh, terrific, great, and incredible, fantastic. Come on, come on, say something nice about me. <laughs> Tell me, where's Anne, my secretary? You know, she's quite a girl, that Anne. Six days over here, she's got the whole town wired for you and got a great place for you to She stay. promised she'd be here. She's downstairs. I didn't want them to think you had an entourage. They love your books, but they hate success. Oh, that's interesting. Very, very interesting. Hey, Boomer, there was a... There was a fellow in the corner. He was a... Well, actually, he never said a word. Tall thing guy? Yeah, that's it. Cristiano Berti. He's a book reviewer for Channel One TV. He's a big fan of yours, and we tape a show with him Thursday. Mm-hmm. In its reviews, um, Tim Lucas in the, the magazine Video Watchdog said, though it is in some ways as artificial and deliberate as a De Palma thriller, Tenebrae contains more likeable characters, believable relationships, and more emphasis on the erotic than can be found in any Argento film. Argento is in a position of strength here, and able to explore themes that litterers work, such as visual impairments, sexual deviancy, 
fictional uh, versions of city landscapes and a good and bad characters that seem to be two sides of the same coin. It is, um, considering the fact that he'd struggled so much with Inferno, it's an incredibly assured effort. And um, I think that's possibly because he was back in his comfort zone at this point. The director references other Jalo, such as Barb as the girl who knew too much, but also his own work with a, a kind of reckless drive and humour from the Cat of Nine Tales. And this image of uh, the horror which is behind the hero as he bends down, a kind of a, a silly gag, but one that works really well in The Bird from the Crystal Plumage, is also echoed in this. And our gory ending, probably in fact, has a touch of the bird, the crystal plumage about it too. Although, um, this is a far more violent affair. Hey, this is Inspector Altieri. I'm sorry, we didn't want to disturb you, but the door was open, right, Inspector? It was open. That's correct. <laughs> I apologize. But the girl was killed five hours ago. A girl called Alsamani, an inveterate shoplifter. We wanted to know if you knew her. This is the first time I've been to Rome. Oh. She died from four deep wounds. Throat, chest, and suffocation. Hmm. Her mouth was stuffed with pages from a book. Tenebrae. Tenebrae? Hmm. We came to check if you knew of any connection. I'll get you a drink. Uh, just, a, just some water, please, Anne. Thank you. Is it all right if I... Uh... Sure, go ahead. Sorry to bother you. We were just about to leave when we heard the elevator. Well, I didn't know the girl. I'm sorry. Thank you. No. I'd offer you something harder, but you don't drink on duty, right? Uh, I only drink on duty. Hmm? A scotch, please, straight up. Okay. You just arrived, Mr. Neal? You mean, do I have an alibi? Yes. I landed from New York about two hours ago. Can I ask you something? If someone is killed with a Smith & Wesson revolver, do you go and interview the president of Smith & Wesson? <laughs> Thank you. I've read all your books, Mr. Neal, except this one. Just started on it last night. The book deals with a murder committed with an old-fashioned open razor, right? Don't tell me who did it. I haven't finished it yet. This girl, too, was killed with a razor and your book's pages stuffed into her mouth. Ah, we found this on the floor of your apartment here. It's addressed to you. There was only one answer to the fury that tortured him. Isn't that a passage from your book? Hmm? Uh, yes. Yes, it is. I respect you, Mr. Neal. Believe me. I don't want to make your stay in Rome a nightmare. But we are going to need your help. Argento had used the Italian rock band Goblin to provide the musical scores for two of his previous films, Deep Red and Suspiria, both of which are kind of cla you know classic uh, soundtracks now. The group had disbanded in 1980, but three of the members, Simonetti, uh, Pigantelli and uh, Moranti, um, reunited at the request of Argento to work on Tenebrae. 
It's a synth-driven score and uh, credited not as Goblin, but under the the three surnames of the uh, the band members. It's not as good as a soundtrack of some of the Goblin's work earlier, but you know it's still good stuff and uh, still well loved. They also managed to use some music from Goblin's Dawn of the Dead uh, soundtrack from um, from '78. It's uh, scored in the background of a scene where children and a girlfriend argue before said girlfriend leaves with a man, right before the scene with Argento's framed, famed crane shot. The background music playing in the apartment store at the beginning of the film is taken from that uh, from the European version of uh, Romero's Dawn of the Dead, which is edited and rescored under Argento's supervision. Unlike uh, Inferno, which uh, struggled for a theatrical release, uh, this got uh, was seen throughout Italy and Europe, and um, which must have been a release a relief for uh, Argento after struggling so much with Inferno. It was only briefly released in a heavily edited version from Bedford Entertainment's Unsane now in America. It fared reasonably well in the UK despite its gory content. The BBFC cut uh, four seconds from the 1983 cinema release to a scene where an arm is chopped off. Video Media released the BBFC cut cinema version on video in June 1983. It was doomed to take a leading position on the Video Nasties list though. It was listed on March 84 and stayed on the list throughout the panic, becoming one of the DPP collectible 39s. The BBFC cut the 1999 uh, Nouveau Pictures video by five seconds. This is an extra second of cut to ensure that the BBFC were not passing a video that had recently been found to be obscene. 
the video cover as well was a problem. Um, and, you know, as we've spoken about before, the, the covers of these films can be an issue. And uh, in on the the classic cover of Tenebrae and the one that's currently available now on the the uh, Arrow release is uh, features a woman with her f- like blood coming from her throat after being slashed. That was actually replaced with a nice red ribbon, which is bizarre, I think you're fair to say. But uh, nonetheless, is uh, an interesting point. But yeah, the uh, almost I'm almost iconic for me that as a I, I kind of think you know there's a great steel book out there from Arrow now, and you can you kind of almost want them to replace it with the the red. You know, had to a variant cover with the red ribbon as well. But uh, obviously, yeah, they've gone for the classic one, perhaps unsurprisingly. So, I mean, it's not a perfect film, but it, there's a lot of uh, there's, it gets a lot of love, and it is uh, it's definitely worth uh, worth a watch for uh, fans of the genre. And um, it's not Argento's best movie, but uh, it's certainly a strong effort. And as I say, the um, the the cinematography is you know the great some great shots, but also it's it is an odd film because it is so brightly lit that um, it doesn't feel like a horror film. Which is kind of deliberate. It's kind of meant to feel like almost like true crime, and the horror that you see is um, is there to kind of you know jolt you, and um, you know it kind of lure you into believability about the film, even though it's you know quite a unsurprising considering the fact it's Jalo, quite a quite a, a silly little setup really in truth. Transient Gloria Lesby. So passes the glory of Lesbos. What does that mean? It means our killer most likely had a higher education and studied Latin. I don't know, maybe he's killed again. Lateral incision. So, uh, thanks very much for listening. Um, if you want to get hold of me, please do. And thanks for everyone who uh, retweets and comments and... Uh, and, and and everything else, you know, there's 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 so much support. It's fantastic. If you want to get hold of me, please do. My email address is videonastiespodcast at gmail You can get me on my uh, Twitter, which is at orange underscore monkey, or you can go to the website videonastiespodcast.com and look at any of the uh, the articles, the trailers that we put up, and uh, and comment on any of those, and, and it basically keeps you up to date with where we are in the podcast and what's coming up. Next week, we're dealing with uh, Jess Franco's well, third film on the list, the last one we're going to cover from him, uh, which is Women Behind Bars. Um, 
we're kind of coming to the end now, really. There's, um, you know, we're still still online to uh, to be finished off by the end of October. Um, so I'll have announcements soon about the uh, the Video Nasties book, which it, which I'll be releasing in October as well. That's a little bit more work to be done just to get that ready in terms of uh, well, it's written, but it needs uh, a little bit more uh, work to you know kind of get it get it ready for print as it were. So, but we're, I'm expecting to have that out for October. So I'll give you details about that in the next couple of weeks too. Uh, if you want to find out any info on that as well, uh, I, I, as soon as as soon as I've got a link. I'll, uh, I'll set it up on the website and also I'll probably be banging on about it on Twitter, I guess. So, until next week where we talk about women behind bars, take care and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. I have never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, you've never seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. You make a quick movement, won't it slip off? That's a miracle. Drop off. <laughs>